What's going on, guys? What's going on? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Taz Show. Yes, yes. Got a great guest in this episode coming up later on. The Judge, old friend of mine, Judge Jeff Jones. You guys remember him from ECW. ECW back in the day. Managed uh, Mike Awesome for a lot of his career. Was a referee there also. Worked behind the scenes. Did some ring announcing. Did a lot, a little bit of everything in ECW. But uh, Jeff Jones uh, also... Uh, so much work in Ring of Honor behind the scenes and working also with New Japan through Ring of Honor. So Jeff gets into all that. Uh, we catch up on some old ECW stories. It's good shit. I promise you, you're going to dig it. You're going to love it uh, for sure. This is this is a, uh, you know, we go back way back, me and Jeff. We're good friends for a long time. Um, never had him on the show. Uh, never had him on the show. Um, but he um, he was a good friend of mine throughout my whole career, even outside of ECW. I always would contact him. And sometimes when I was pissed off at something during WWE, just to be a good sounding board, I'd contact Jeff. Um, just and Jeff has got such a great bond with so many wrestlers in the business that are big time wrestlers, big time stars today in WWE and other companies. So, uh, NXT, you know, the NXT brand, obviously Ring of Honor. So he brings a lot to the table uh, as far as going to give you some good stories. Him and I going to catch up. Uh, also, want to get into the other side of the story of the infamous match of myself versus Mike Awesome from Indianapolis when Mike was a contracted WCW wrestler who was the ECW champion at the time. And I was a WWF or WWE contracted wrestler. And as you guys know the story, we battled for the ECW title, that ECW sanctioned event. We're both under contract to other companies. So that'll never happen again. Well, I wanted to, you guys heard my side of the story a whole shitload of times, but I wanted you guys to hear Mike awesome side through Jeff Jones um, what it was like for him on that day and mike awesome as you guys know mike awesome no longer with us so um uh you know but uh, anyway so jeff will bring uh bring that into the conversation um um so we're looking forward to that with jeff jones here in a little bit um also i just wanted to mention um what we saw on raw real quick i'm not going to get into talking about raw much at all um but i want to talk about roman reigns um and uh, the you know the, the 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 horrible news of that, you know his his uh, battle now continues with leukemia, and I I was not aware of this. I think most people would agree. I you know that he had this when he was 22. Now at 33 years old, it's back, um, and he has to fight this, and he had to relinquish the universal title. Uh, just want to say prayers with him and his family through this. Uh, never had the opportunity to meet Roman. Uh, you know he's a tough son of a bitch. I know a lot of his family members um, and had the chance to do business with a lot of his family members in the wrestling business. So I know he comes from amazing stock and you can just see by his success and his adversity he's dealt with, um, you know, in his career with a lot of people uh, publicly, you know, not being a fan at times of the push he got. But you know what? Um, He's still a major star. And I've said that and I've sung his praises forever out here. And now I have even more respect for the guy and, I hope he comes back and he says it's not a retirement speech. That's what he said. And I, and, and God willing, that's the truth. 
And, um, you know, prayers, like I said, with him and his family. And just think about what that man had to go through to go out to the world and get on a microphone and say that, you know, say that as, as a husband, as a father, just imagine that, you know, that's not easy to do what he did. That takes a shitload of courage and toughness and heart. I respect him uh, a lot, a lot. And, and like I said on Taz and the Moose, cause we talked about this on CBS sports radio, um, you know, WWE, they they're not forcing him to go out there and say that. That that's 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 his doing. That's his call. Um, he wanted maybe an outlet or maybe he, you know, he said I'd like to let people know the truth. Who knows? I don't know. But I know this much. I would be there's no way in hell that WWE said, Look, go out and cut the promo and tell people about this. Nah, that's gotta come from Reigns. So I just wanted to just mention him here and just, I don't know why, I just wanted to say it and acknowledge it and just say that I, I like most of you, all of you, and just sort of outpouring support for him and his family on social media. Um, and it's really cool to see the wrestling community come together, um, no matter if you were a fan of Roman Reigns' work or not, that you came together in support of him and you felt horrible for, for the man and you know he's got a fight on his hands and he's going he's gonna to dominate and he's going to win the fight. So um, pray for that man. You know, and, and his family. So, um, like I said, here uh, in a few minutes, uh, going to have Jeff Jones on, the judge. Looking forward to that. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, a lot of good stories. You're going to get a lot of good shit. You're going to dig it. I promise. I swear to you. So, uh, let me tell you about my good friends uh, over at uh, Rocket Mortgage by Quick Loans. So they support the Taz Show. And they're introducing their all new Rate Shield approval. That's right. All new Rate Shield approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Quick Loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. That's pretty awesome, right? there and it's a very very easy thing to get started simple to get started please go to rocketmortgage.com slash t-a-z that's rocketmortgage.com slash taz rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on quicker loans data in comparison to public data records equal housing equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states NMLS Consumer Access.org number 3030. Again, at com slash Taz, com slash TAZ. All right, uh, let's get right to it. Take a break real quick, come back, and we will have the judge, Jeff Jones. Uh, be right back. All right, here we go. We're back here on the Taz Show. Hey, you know the deal here before we get talking to the big judge, Judge Jeff Jones, the Taz Show. Is supported by Rocket Mortgage by Quicker Loans, and they are introducing their all-new Rate Shield approval. Oh yeah, Rate Shield approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Quicker Loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. How sweet is that? For up to 90 days while you shop. So look at simple dealio right here to get started. All you got to do, real simple process, as a very smart man once said. All you got to do is go to rocketmortgage.com slash T-A-Z. That's rocketmortgage.com slash Taz. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on a Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS Consumer Access.org number 3030. That's my friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. So, Speaking of friends, old friend of mine, uh, they call him Jeff Jones. I simply call him the judge. Oh, dude, what's going on, bro? 
What's going on, Taz? How's things going with you? Right, the big Rocket Mortgage plug, almost like Rocket Busta, like I used to hear on SmackDown every week. I forgot about that. Well, you didn't hear it on SmackDown 1000, I'll tell you that. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, there was no Taz on that. Um, anyway, I know you were very hot about that. Well, I heard you were from people. Extremely well, maybe not hot, hot. but yeah. <laughs> Extremely hot. I threw, I threw a brick at the television. <laughs> You're like, what? Uh, dude, I don't know if a lot of people, that's why, a couple of things. That's why I want to talk to you, man. Uh, you know, all the years, geez, we've been friends forever. And, and uh, I don't know if a lot of people know, like, during like my career, like in WWE, once ECW was was gone, like you're one of the guys that was one of my closer friends that I talked to and uh, on the phone a lot. You've talked me off the ledge a lot, so I want to probably thank you for that. But a lot of people don't realize that. Oh, you're welcome. I wish I would have given you advice to uh, copyright the term "stop the pain." You know, <laughs> well, I wish well, I would have been smarter along those that lines. That would have been good. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. A Michael Coleism kind of. But no, and the other thing, too, I wanted to talk about a couple things with you for fans to know, like wrestling fans to know, like all the work you've done behind the scenes and, you know, you know, not just your work at ECW, but years later and everything you've done with Ring of Honor and New Japan and stuff behind the curtain um, and everything. I want to get into all that. But the cool thing, I think, for fans is. Like, they've heard me tell the story a lot everywhere I've been. I've told the story about Mike Awesome and I when I was, the you know, in WWE as a contracted guy. He was a WCW contracted guy, but yet he had the ECW title, and we fought each other at an ECW-sanctioned event. And everybody talks about me and Mike Awesome and the ECW title and WCW and WWF, but no one talks about Mike Awesome's manager, the guy that was right there by his side during this match and a lot of matches for the, you know, for the late Mike Awesome was judge jeff jones you so I, I no one's ever really heard you i mean unless you've done it somewhere else unbeknownst to me but at least on my content you talk about what that night was like like for well, you because you and i didn't really talk much during that day or, or that night well what was funny is well it wasn't really out of the ordinary for you to randomly call about anything but you randomly called me the night before and was like oh what's going on what <laughs> what's new and I was like, <laughs> nothing. I was Ew. actually in the middle of like walking into like a comedy show or something. And you're like, all right, bro, just, just call and see what's going on. You know, so then fast forward to the next day, I land in Indianapolis. And was, bro, I didn't remember I did that. Did I really do like a random yeah. just what's going yeah. on? Oh yeah, because God. then it plays into it plays into the next day. And uh, so then I, I remember I landed in Indianapolis. And my writing, my writing guys at the time were your cousin Chris Shetty and Danny Doring. Right, of course. So I was coming to meet them because they were coming out of the New York, New Jersey area. So like maybe if I came into A Gate, they were coming in at B. So I was walking over that way towards the airport, and then I see Danny Doring and uh, Chris Shetty coming up the coming up the the ramp. You know, because it's back in the day when you could just walk through security it didn't yeah. matter pre-9-11 yep. by so, the way i never heard this story I, you knew i've never talked about this no not on the this air the first think. time on the no i don't think ever i don't if you told me this backstory i don't remember it so this is fucking great and you can so, curse fucking curse i love cursing okay, go ahead. so so i see i see danny i see chetty i see Heyman, and then i see this guy and i'm like what the fuck is he doing here? And then I was like, Taz, what are you doing here? 
I do some business tonight, brother. And I was like, and then I was like, I go, is this why you called me last thing? You're like, ah, had to, had to test the waters, make sure no one stooged anything off, <laughs> you know? And then it got stooged off anyway from the airport. Why wouldn't but, it? Right. But like, uh, that day was really weird because, you know, I run into you. So I kind of put two and two together and figure out what's going to go down because obviously I knew Mike wasn't leaving Indianapolis, the ECW world champion. So I remember we got to the building Word started circulating around the building that you were there, that you were in town. And but then, I got there later, yeah, because I didn't, you know, as you remember, I didn't get into that building until the show was rolling. They didn't want me in, and then I was only there for a short time. Because I don't remember seeing you. I literally went through the back lock and said hello to everybody really fast. And I don't, I, well, I don't want to upcut your story, but I could have yeah. sworn you were at the hotel. I, well, I'm, I'm remembering, like, right when, I remember you had then had to go to a meeting. You had to go to the Super Kayfabe meeting with Mike at his hotel yep. because they didn't, Paul didn't want him at the building. Yep. Well, I don't know if the boys wanted him at the building, too. Did you have any heat with the boys during then, too? Like, were the boys hot at you? Uh, for Mike Awesome, no. But for random other things, <laughs> probably. <laughs> you know. Well said. I like um, that. But no, for the most part, probably not. I don't think so. I mean, yeah. and if they did, fuck them because hey. they, were, they were all undercard jamokes. Oh, you nice. know, if they did have well a problem, <laughs> you know, and the, and the people who were on the top of the card or, you know, I was always pretty good at uh, not playing the political game, but just, you know, knowing who was important to be my friends and knowing who I really didn't have to give a fuck about one way or the other. There you go. So I remember we got to the building. Uh, you went to the hotel, have a meeting with Mike. And then I remember you showed up maybe maybe around intermission, maybe shortly after intermission. I think a little bit after intermission, yeah. And then we talked a little bit. You gave me, like, the outline. And then Bill Alfonso, who became the agent for the match, Fonzie and I left the building and walked across the street to a bank where Doug Dillinger was with Mike Awesome. And I believe maybe some uh, Indianapolis state troopers or, yeah, you know, I forgot about the police there. Yeah. I forgot that at, at the hotel too. They were there. Yeah. So <laughs> the police, police were there with him and uh, we kind of went over things and it, it was, you know, a little weird, but I mean, it was ECW. So what's really weird in ECW, you know, and I mean? exactly. And at the time it didn't feel weird because it was ECW. You just expected right. shit like that. Yeah. Right. ECW, you had like a license, like, like, Things that didn't go on in the conventional world or convention, <laughs> conventional wrestling company yeah. could happen in ECW and it'd be like, no big deal. Yeah, so exactly. Fonzie and I went across the street and we sat there and we waited for Fonzie to get a phone call. Fonzie got the call when uh, I believe Carino, Carino, Rhino and, and that crew wiped out all the baby faces in the company. So as they left the ring, Mike and I pushed our way through the crowd, much like, to come full circle, much like we did at Anarchy Rules the night that Mike beat you for the, or beat you and Masato Tanaka for the East Chicago, Chicago, right? I think it was, yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, and then I got in the ring, cut the promo, and then what's funny is from, you know, obviously I knew you were there, but to watch the people in the first heartbeat, and people are like, what's that? (laughs) And the second heartbeat, People then the then it picks up and then it kicks into the music and the people are like no fucking way like <laughs> when you came through the crowd I mean this was ridiculous you had a WWF wrestler 
facing a newly contracted WCW wrestler for the ECW World Championship. At an ECW-sanctioned event. Yeah, and what's funny is, like, years... I mean, I just found this out not too long ago. Uh, Drake Younger, who is a... Or Drake Wirtz, who is a referee in uh, NXT, was in the crowd that night and still brings it up occasionally. Like, he'll post about it on Facebook. Really? Wow. No yeah, shit. Yeah, so... And, uh, you know, like, I, I got to laugh with him about it the last time I saw him uh, a couple months ago when NXT came through Baltimore. So it's funny to think about something that happened in, in the year 2000, you know, 18 years later. It's I mean, it is still kind of relevant because it was something that never happened, never happened before and never happened again. It can't really happen again. I don't I mean, well, obviously, with those with ECW and WCW, because they're under the WCW, you know, they're, they're gone. It's WCW. Right. I mean, WWE owns the gimmick. But so it can't really happen ever again with those. I mean, yeah, you could do a Ring of Honor, WWE, you know, whatever. I don't know, Lucha Underground or Impact Wrestling type thing. Sure. But not with ECW and WCW. You know, it just and, can't and, happen. And you know what? Like, and maybe this is me, you know, because I was in ECW, but I don't think it would mean as much anymore. Like the Probably Impact wouldn't. Champion, and I don't mean this disrespectfully to the to Impact brand. The Impact, well, I mean, the Impact Champion did walk on to uh, ROH television recently when when Aries was champion, and it it just wasn't the same thing. You know what right, I mean? Like, right, right. you had you who got the hero send off coming back to defend the company that you helped make like you yeah. you uh, you couldn't book it if you tried any better today you know what i no, mean like it no there, and i think today no it'd be harder too because social media obviously stuff leaks out immensely fast and so much stuff has been done since then so i think wrestling fans are uh, yeah they get a lot of content everywhere from tv to streaming online to their mobile device wherever where back then as you know that wasn't the case so you know, I think that also helped. There was lightning in a bottle, uh, as was ECW, but that moment for sure was lightning in a bottle. I, dude, was so Jeff was like, I, you know, I never, I don't know if I ever actually, I don't think I did. Like, how was, because Mike and I, uh, Mike Awesome, and we talked over some stuff at the hotel, you know, he was very easy to do business with, as I was with him. But, you know, him and I had worked together more than once. So we, we respected each other. I think he respected me. I know I respected him. And, was he uh, he seemed to me happy to just drop the title and move on with his career that is that was he wasn't like hot about it how was he behind the scenes uh he he was like you said he was just he was like look uh, you know the ECW has their side of the story I have my side of the story but I did what was best for my family uh, I actually thought about taking this belt and throwing it off the bridge. Uh, there's a bridge that goes from Tampa to St. Pete. I just can't think of the name of it. Well, no, well, that's that. It's not even a bridge. If it's what you're talking about, it's that fucking causeway. It's about three miles yeah. long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, I missed a fucking flight because of that thing. Yeah, it, I'm it's not kidding because if you get fucking, you get on that goddamn thing, you get on there, you're gonna miss. A, you're fucked, you know. And I just kept going, and you can't make a left or a right. You're on a causeway. You're over the water. Right. Right, you're stuck. You're stuck going. And he was like, I, I wanted to throw the belt off of that. Not like fucking Boggy Creek Road. That's an old no, sent I sent the picture of Boggy Creek Road to you recently because I, 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 I saw the sign and I immediately had flashbacks. I think Chris Chetty still wakes up in the middle of the night screaming Boggy Creek Road. I think Chetty cold, gets, he gets in a cold, cold sweat. sweat. I was going crazy that night. Oh, that's a whole. That's a, I could do three podcasts on that story. But anyway, um, so Mike wait, wait, was, now, was that the same? Was that the same weekend of the, as the infamous match with Sabu in Jacksonville? 
Yeah, I think it was because that was right when I was negotiating behind the scenes, I guess, to maybe leave ECW. So I was very stressed. Um, yes. Yes. I, re- I remember that. But um, but with extra, my show, extra, think- extra douchebag Jones. That's what I was basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but uh, um, it, back to your question about Mike, like Mike was just happy to get it over with because yeah. he was ready to move on. And do ultimate, you know, do what he needed to do to make sure that his family was secure. And, you know, and he thought at the time that, you know, ECW was not the place for that. Hmm. Yeah, no, I know. It was, um, that was a crazy time, you know. And, you know, Mike had a unique relationship with the locker room in ECW. I always liked Mike. I, I, I first met Mike awesome through Sabu. Sabu knew, I think Rob Van Dam and Sabu knew him. Uh, we met, man, I don't remember where it was, an independent show someplace before they were called independent shows. This was like kind of before ECW or very early. I'm trying to remember when it was. I don't remember. But I, I, I had met Mike. Uh, a couple times and been on cards with him, you know, before we were in ECW together. And I always liked Mike, you know, a lot of guys were kind of weird on Mike, but a lot of guys are weird on me too. I mean, so I, I can't, I'm not, I'm not knocking Mike. I mean, you know, God rest his soul. I'm not doing that, but I'm right. just saying like he, you know, I mean, uh, you, you, I never asked you, I mean, what was your, you know, you managed him for a long time. What was your relationship with like, you guys seem like you got along. Yeah. Well, what was funny is me and Mike actually became friends before he left like so mike okay so mike was in ecw back in the day you know he did a couple you know did a couple shots when it was still i think nwa eastern championship wrestling then mike went away and he came back to do to do those matches with with masato tanaka uh, when Paul was when Paul was pushing Tanaka, so yeah. then uh, that was what like nineteen ninety, like June nineteen ninety eight, May June nineteen ninety eight is when he came back, and then he did the you know they did the match at Heat Wave ninety eight, which I still think is you know one of the greatest ECW pay per views, if not the greatest ECW pay per view ever, just top to bottom. Like is that the one that was Asbury Park. No, it was the rematch. With that was not, what year was Asbury? What one was Asbury Park? There was a living Asbury Park was living the first living dangerously. The first living. Yeah, I would get confused. What was which? What? what which one are you talking about now? Uh, Heat Wave '98. Where was that? Dayton. Uh, Dayton, Dayton, Ohio. Oh, through the ramp. Went through the ramp. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Who, who did guys, Mike and Mike worked with who? Mike and Masato Tanaka wrestled each other. Oh yes. What am I saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So then him and Mike. Uh, you know, him and Mike, uh, you know, did their standard match. And then Mike was around for, you know, he was around after that all the way through, I believe, like mid-October when he he blew, he tore his ACL at yeah. the ECW arena wrestling balls. Like, um, but me and Mike had actually developed a relationship in 1997, right before Barely Legal, he was wrestling Louis Spicoli. Mm-hmm. And Paul wanted Louis up. Uh, with his finish, which was Death Valley Driver at the time, but I think Mike was on top at FMW. So he was. Mike was over it, fucking huge in FMW for quite some time. Have, yeah, he may have been the FMW World Champ or in a program with Tanaka he over the FMW. Been. Yeah, he was he was over for quite some time there. That might have been when Sabu and him first met was in FMW. To tell you the truth, yes. yeah. I th- yeah, I think yeah. I think you're you're right. So yeah. Mike, so I refereed the match between Louie and Mike, and they changed the finish and didn't smart me up. But being, you know, being a good referee, 
like when Mike didn't kick, I counted one, two, three. So then he popped up and immediately like grabbed me by the shirt and was pantomime yelling at me. And I go, you didn't fucking kick out. So I counted three. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, we changed. He goes, we changed the finish. Mm. He goes, have you ever taken a running power bomb? And I said, no. And he goes, you're about to. (laughs) And then, and then kick, you know, kick me in the gut, loaded me in and gave me that running razor's edge. (laughs) So we get to the back. You were underrated. You always took good bumps. You did. You you did. No, you did. Yeah, you did. You always took good bumps for real. So uh, Maryland guy from the business there. Baltimore guys are always good at bump taking. That's right. (laughs) That's true. So, so he loads me in, gives me the running awesome bomb, sends me across the ring. And then when we get in the back, I'm on the stretcher because they stretchered me out. Yeah. And uh, I get in the back and Paul goes, you're done for the rest of the night. I kind of looked at him. He goes, don't worry. I'm not mad at you. And then I go, I go over to Mike and Mike goes, I don't give a fuck about this place. I make my money elsewhere. Like he goes, I had to protect myself. That was Mike's thing. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it comes good. Went back to money. His main money was in Japan. So it was. You know, it wasn't beneficial for him to like because Louis, you know, I loved Louis Spicoli. I thought he was great. Me but too. Louis, yeah, I like Louis a lot. Yeah. Louis was kind of an underneath guy in in ECW and would, you know, get a, you know, his push would go up and down. Speaking of dude, Louis, I, this is a, this is a great Louis story. So Louis Spicoli, you won the TV title and you blew your shoulder out, I believe, when you did it. Against Shane. So, yeah. In Philly. Shane Douglas. Philly. Yeah. So like two weeks later. He gave later, me a fucking have- swinging neck breaker and I fucking under rotated. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't Shane's fault. You know, Shane was very safe in the ring. Very the pro. accident happened. Yeah, man. I just, I, I under rotated and I fucking landed on my shot. I'll never forget that pain. Oh my God. It hurts so much. So, <laughs> yeah. I, so I remember uh, you were doing like the house shows where almost like same thing you and Shane did. I'll beat you in two minutes. Oh, well, if you're a man, you'll put the title on the line in in, in one minute, blah, blah, blah. So you did that with Louie and, and you guys got it down to 30 seconds because, you know, you were still working the house shows, but you were working hurt. So I think it was literally the match was a T-bone and Taz mission. Where was this? This was in Revere at the dog track. Dog track. Yeah, yeah. Wonderland Greyhound Park. Yep, yep. Because we did something like that, you know, in, uh, I don't know if you can remember the building, the outdoor building in Jersey, Barre. We did oh, that. Oh, yeah. That was Bubba's uh, Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to do a con- I had to go to a concert. That's a whole other story. That's, Wait. you know, the backstory on that before, before you. The concert? Was- the concert at Barre? No, no, no. We I was going to a concert with my wife to see Kenny G. Uh, at long in in uh, in um, at Jones Beach Theater here on Long Island, right. on the water, a Sunday like matinee gimmick. Um, and we, my wife loved Kenny G, and we waited forever to get these tickets. So and then Paul comes up, and, and they come up at the bar A show. I'm like, fuck, I had to be there. So my wife, said, you got, we got to go to this thing. So I said, Paul, I got to be first. I got to go on first. Yeah, no problem. I will work with you. So I told Louie, I got to go to this fucking concert, Kenny G. Blah blah. He goes, no problem. So he cuts a promo. I can't remember what he said or something, but he popped me. He said something like, uh, "I'm gonna play you like a flute" or something like that. Like he had a little inside jab that no one got except right. Like, yeah. So whatever I think of that, but yeah, again, Revere, Rundleland, uh, Grand Park, Boston. Yeah. So uh, you and Louie back and forth, back and forth. Finally, get it down to thirty seconds. So it's whatever, like. He charges duck reverse T-bone transmission and he taps at like 28 seconds. Well, then uh, you on your way back 
to the locker room, I think somebody reached out and sucker punched you that could or happen. something. Something happened in the hallway to where you stopped. Mm. So Louie, you know, at this point, he's back up. He grabs the microphone and, and, and said something like he was trying to defuse the situation. But in classic Louis Spicoli fashion, oh, he, he buried me. He dumped more heat on himself. Yeah. <laughs> Because here you had just tapped him out. He's choked out by the Tasmission. And then he's, you know, this is back in the day when people actually protected finishes and cared. Yeah, and they sold where Louis got up. Yeah. Louis got up in an attempt to defuse the situation with the fan because it was Atlas Security and you and a lot of yelling and a lot of police involvement, everything. Yes. A lot of the fuck word coming out of people. A lot of fucks. Yeah. 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 Louis just gets on the mic and goes, ah. Maybe I should have tried to get him down to 20 seconds. <laughs> I remember I'm sitting there because like when you came in from – I just see the world television title fly through Gorilla in a very angry, angry Taz coming in the back one. This fucking guy's got to go. Who the fuck is he? he? He didn't – did you see him not sell the fucking finish? <laughs> and – uh and then I love Louie too, but God, he Louis, got me mad. Yeah. <laughs> Louie comes in and sits down next to me and Tommy, Tommy walks over and goes, Jeff, you may not want to be sitting next to Louie. He has a lot of heat with Taz right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, but that was, that Louis, was man. Louie was, he was a crazy bastard. He was yeah, it wasn't him doing it maliciously. No, no, no. To finish. It was just, you know, yeah. uh, at the thought, time I, I, I didn't know. handle myself. Well, I had like, you know, I was immature and we just fucking intensity issues. And yeah, so I was a <laughs> person. Yeah. So it wasn't all Louis' fault. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. But yeah, but, but, uh, so Mike got fired for not putting him over the right way. And then, you know, Paul brought him back for the, uh, the the Mike, Masato Tanaka stuff. But Mike and I had become friends because Mike was like, ah, oh, that night he was like, oh, sorry if I got you heat. And I was like, well, I'm really in a no, you know, what do I do? No sell it. What do I yeah. do? Like, you know, uh, slide out of your power bomb. And yeah, let me just, it? Yeah, for those that don't realize, just let me just judge. Let me just say it. So for those that don't realize, like, so um, maybe there's some newer fans that are casual fans to wrestling or whatever. So basically the reason what Jeff is saying is the reason why Paul Heyman would get upset or got upset with Mike Awesome was, you know, he wasn't supposed to power bomb Jeff and just he was a referee, Jeff. And then he just fucking, you know, he kind of went off. It was even though people think there was no script at all in ECW, it wasn't a script, but there was a, a strong outline to everything that we all did. And I've done that. I've gone off the outline and, you know, my cause is not the only one. But at times that would definitely piss off Paul Heyman. So we weren't allowed to do whatever we wanted, like everybody thought so. Right. And, uh, you know, so he got fired. But then when they brought in Masato Tanaka with the working relationship with FMW, who better to bring in and showcase Masato Tanaka than his greatest opponent, Mike Awesome? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And they, she's man. Now in this day and age with all, uh, you know, where there's no chair shots and stuff, the stuff those two guys did to each other physically with chairs and the, the blows to the head and just the physicality. I mean, oh, yeah, you know, they killed each other. I mean, they destroyed each other, you know. Yeah, and 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 not to say what's funny now is, but the the funny thing is now, if you see Masato Tanaka, he he still does some of that, but like he's ripped and shredded and I didn't know that. really and looks and looks a million times better. Good for him. Then he like if he would have looked like this it, when he was in ECW, WWE probably would try to pick him up. Yeah, well, good for him. Um, 
Yeah, bro. And then we did the thing too. Well, this was, I think, it was before this. Well, obviously, it was before this. The infamous another time I was in a rush in Fort Lauderdale. Yes, because I believe your wife was in labor. Yeah, so my it was son like, was. Got- it was a yeah. My son was about to be born, and I was in Florida. And meanwhile, my wife and my new child's about to come out is in New York. Yeah, so I had right. To- <laughs> I remember yeah. you got you got to the building, and you're like literally just because I think you were one of the first guys to have a cell phone in the company, and you're like, look, my wife just called. She's going into labor. I I got to get home. So why when you impersonate me, I always got to sound like I'm fucking angry and just fucking oh, no, mad no. at all times. I mean, because you, you were. I hear you. But no, really, you were like, I need to get the fuck home. <laughs> and Paul was like, Well, we need we need to show that you were here because I don't think you were you weren't advertised the rest of the weekend. You were only do, like in that go time that that period where your wife could Correct. have the baby time. You were just Correct. doing TV. Correct. That's right. So he was like, oh, we need to show that you were here. So we did the pre-tape out back where you, where you choked me out, threw me in the trunk of the rental car, went in the ring and, you know, choked out uh, Wild Bill, yeah. who was in the ring, setting it up to show the fans that you were there. And almost kind of like, I think on TV, Joey Styles even said, if you got to the TV taping late in Fort Lauderdale, this is what you missed. <laughs> and showed, you know, showed your promo building your match with candido for hardcore heaven that uh for hardcore heaven that was like in a week or two and then like literally you were in and out by the time they by the time i got out of the trunk you were getting back into the car and going going right back to the airport that you just came from that's a shoot it was a big fucking sedan deville caddy rented from avis uh there's a plug for you Ray avis and the trunk was huge and i was happy that you jeff would be safe in that giant trunk so uh <laughs> <laughs> and and all i'm worried about is that it had that it had the power trunks so where you would just put it down it would be like mm, and i'm like god i just hope he doesn't put his fingers near the edge the poor guy will crush his fucking fingertips you know <laughs> I remember you walk away, you're like good promo brother it was good your shit was always great we always worked well together we always had good chemistry you always put me over how could I, I, I loved doing shit with you all the time right i mean i, I got t-boned into the crowd a couple we a couple months later at the heat wave that year when uh because why wouldn't I try and come out and interview you after you cho- after you choked out to Jerry <laughs> no. with uh, with barbed wire? But but I remember that night that I I was sitting in the back doo doo faced because I wasn't on the show like everyone else was worked in. We did a pre tape that I was in that was supposed to air, but it got cut for whatever reason. Like not just me, everyone else in the pre tape got cut, and uh, you. I went to bat to make sure that I was on the show in some way, shape or form. And you're like, all right, I got you on the show, but <laughs> this is what's going to happen. I'm going to T-bone you into the crowd. And I was like, I don't care. You're like, fine. Uh, well, I knew you yeah. could bump. And it was like, I knew the people were the ones that were going to get hit by a human body flying. So that was really right. Good. And I found the two, I found the two biggest targets I could when you were, when you were about to toss me. So I kind of like launched myself towards them and, and typical late nineties fashion. I get the, don't worry, brother, we're workers. from <laughs> 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 These two, these two big dudes. Who, who may have gone on to do stuff in wrestling? Who knows? Better. Yeah, but two big dudes <laughs> that I just I, I use them as a landing pad. Oh shit! So dude, you, know, like, yeah. you so uh, you look obviously like a lot of people you know in the business back then that were not in ring performance in ECW. You know, you learned a lot. You learned how old were you during the whole ECW run? What what was your age? 
the twenty I started ECW in twenty when I was twenty one. Oh, you started that young! 20, wow, wow. Yeah, twenty one, nineteen ninety six. I thought so, you were yeah. Okay, wow, yeah. So, yeah, like a lot of people, so you learn, and then you went on into the business and did a lot behind the scenes. I'm assuming you learned a shitload during your time in ECW and brought it into Ring of Honor and your time there, which we'll get into now. But you know, and and stuff you've done in the business and and and. I would assume that ECW taught you learned a lot working there. Even though Paul was a crazy man, you learned a lot just being around him yeah, and learning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a lot of like, look, there's a lot of people, like not you and not certain other people, but like there's a lot of people who like to bury Paul and bury ECW and and you know what a horrible person he was. But really, I have nothing bad to say because had it not been for him. Or had had it not been for ECW, not just necessarily him. I mean, obviously, like he kept it afloat with his money and kept it running and, right. and everything like that. But you know, had he not decided one day that uh, you know to take me from being a referee and making me the judge and putting me with Sid and giving me a push that way, and then after Sid left, he could have he could have just fired me or right. stopped booking me like I saw him do to many people not you know and again those people stopped getting booked because they stopped being you know they stopped filling a role but he gave me you know he gave me the opportunity to I'd manage random people on random weekends but I mean for the entire summer that Sid was gone I was the ring announcer behind the curtain yeah, that's right every summer. Good. I, I remember that shit that was cool yeah. did Paul come up with the judge gimmick or you did Paul did and it, what was funny is I got a call like I called Dreamer because back then we had to, we had to, uh, like trans was taken care of by the company, but not you know, uh, it's not like today where a lot of rest were a lot like Ring of Honor and Impact and like MLW and stuff like that. Those guys cover hotels along with your airfare and they cover your transportation, whether it's a group minivan or 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 whatever. Back in that day, like you know ecw was like wwe unless you were like you or shane or or somebody like that we were getting our we only got a flight so we had to cover our own hotel and our own rental car so i called dreamer and we just had a blizzard here in baltimore i called dreamer and said hey the you know snow's pretty bad here can i fly out on saturday they expect everything to be clear by then and in reality like i wanted to fly out saturday because that way i only would have to pay for two nights in a hotel and two nights on a rental car versus i think they wanted us to come in on friday initially and we didn't have anything to do they just wanted us there friday right so and tommy was like yeah that's cool by the way um bring a judge's robe and i said judge's robe and he was like, yes, we have an idea. So I was like, okay, so I'm in a blizzard in Baltimore. I found a uniform place that supplied uh, judges robes are also bachelor degree robes, which I found out. I didn't realize that, I but found, that's good information. I, I found a place in Baltimore that was open and asked, begged them to stay open because they were about to close because we we're in the middle of a blizzard. So I'm driving to Baltimore at like 20 miles an hour to go to this place to get this judge's robe and I take it to Florida with me. And then when I get there to the building, when I got there the night before, there was this new thing called the internet. (laughs) And, uh, and a friend of mine was on his web TV and was on some message board and asked me, Hey, is Sid there this weekend? And I said, I haven't seen him yet. Why? And they're like, Oh, well somebody posted on one of these, 
It was like Rec Sport Pro Wrestling. And uh, someone posted that Sid was at the airport in Orlando and this weekend's ECW uh, television teased that a former WWF champion was debuting. And I was like, I was like, well, I haven't seen him. But then in my mind, I'm starting to like, okay, well, they're going to have me be a judge. Man, maybe if Sid's here, I go, that'd be pretty fucking cool if what I was going to manage connect, I'm surprised you connected that, like you and Sid. Well, I mean, I, that's why I thought I didn't think unless they were just going to have me do some weird pre-tapes because the pay-per-view was called Guilty as Charged. Yeah, what an ego you, know, you have. And, Jesus Christ. Brother, <laughs> definitely. But I mean, like, I had done a couple things. Like, I had done a couple things where I got to do pre-tapes before, like when I refed Van Dam and Sabu and called the match a draw. But the storyline was I really picked a winner, but Fonzie had me call it a draw to right. save face with both guys. So, I mean, I... Anyway, they, they told me I was, you know, dreamers had get a judge's robe. I show up and then everybody, everybody I saw, like when I saw you and I saw Bubba and I saw Tommy and I saw Paul, everybody was like, hello, judge. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And I'm yeah. like, okay, cool. And then uh, we're standing there and then Paul gives me the, he goes, you're, you know, he gave me a rundown. It was like, hey, you're not going to be a referee anymore. I got this idea. Here's your promo. And by the way, this is the guy you're going to be working with. And I turn around and there's Sid standing there. That's cool. That's and cool. He, like Sid was a kind of intimidating, scary dude. Gigantic, even yes. <laughs> outside. The ring. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah. So like, I have nothing bad to say about 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 working for Paul because I'm a 24 year old kid, you know, managing who uh, a guy who was a WWF champion, WCW champion, was a huge star. You know, he was a huge star in the industry, and they trusted me to be with him. Mm. You know, yeah, I didn't know that, all that backstory. I did not know that whole backstory, but that's cool. I, did, I always wondered who came up with the judge gimmick. I didn't know if it was you or Paul. I knew it was one of you guys. I just didn't know who. Um, I remember they said to me, uh, "Yeah, you know, I do fucking have Jeff Jones to be the judge." I'm like, "That's fucking cool. He looked like a young judge." Like, yeah, Paul's like, "You don't think yeah. he look like a judge?" I'm like, "Yeah, he don't look like a judge to me. Judges are fucking old and fat." <laughs> and, Paul, well, I, and, Paul, I, and Paul just looked at me. Like, all right. He just walked away. It was like one of those things. Like, all right, great. I just shit right, on so- a gimmick. Uh, <laughs> but, I, no, no. but then when I saw the way you, like, you're, you know, the way you worked in front of the people and your manner and the promo, I'm like, ah, this shit's good. Yeah, it worked. You know, so it, it really was a good idea by Paul. Your execution was fucking on point. Bro, so Thank you. if we fast forward, right? So right. Then, you know, obviously the company unfortunately ends and a lot of us are in other companies and I'm in WWE, some guys are in WCW and other guys are in WWE with me and all this jazz. And there's several people that weren't and they were still, you know, for lack of better terms, going down with the ship. During that time, I mean, I'm you know, cause I know you're a smart dude. I'm sure you had your brain clicking and thinking of different things. Were you scared? What were the feeling? Were you nervous? Were you like, I'll find something? I mean, what's... Once Mike was gone, that was pretty much it. Yeah. So, I mean, I was out of ECW before the, the fall. Before, down. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was actually going through a, a mutual friend of ours who was trying to get me into WCW and it just didn't work out. And, uh, you know, old Blackjack Brown was doing his best work for me, nice. but it just yeah. it wasn't in the cards. So I went out and just got a regular job. And but I still stayed in in, you know, in the business or in the industry whatever you want to call it, but I don't like local shows in Baltimore with MCW and, 
you know, helping them edit their TV that they had. They had a little public access deal, which they still now they've blown up and they're doing great MCW. And, and yeah. I know you've done so much work with Dan McDevitt and everything in the, you know, all the years and everything. So any plugs you can give those guys, I'm all for bro. This is, I mean, it'll be 20 years for MCW this coming July. And, you know, MCW's got their fingerprints on WWE at the moment. Leo Rush yep, is right. one of is one of Dan's students. Yep. The Velvet Velveteen Dream is one of Dan's students. Correct. Uh, Mickey James claims, you know, some a lot of her training took place there at the at the old Bone Breakers. Uh Lita. Uh, Dan McDevitt was the first person Lita thanked in her Hall of Fame speech. I didn't you know, know I, did, I didn't realize that. Um, I don't know why I didn't click the leader thing. Wow, that's cool. I didn't. Now a lot of people don't realize, like newer fans, like they know Lita, you know her success in WWE Hall of Famer, but you know <laughs> she was an ECW. You know, she was. People don't realize yeah. that, you know. Ole Miss congeniality. Yeah, she was great, man. That stuff with Chetty and ah, uh, she was great, dude. She was great. She really yeah. Was. Danny Doring proposed to her with a yep. condom for that's a true. ring. <laughs> About that, Danny's crazy. Again, uh, a lot, a lot of a lot of ECW wouldn't fly in today's day and age because it's either a not socially acceptable, or or b it's too profane for regular television. That old is apropos. Um, yeah. So you okay? So like, how did once? Because I want to get into the whole all the stuff, all the years. Where how long did you work for Ring of Honor behind the scenes? I worked for Ring of Honor for just about five years, yeah. and uh, and Dan, it's funny, Dan McDevitt is is uh, you know he's kind of responsible for that as well because I'd seen on uh, PW Insider that Dave Lagana has left Ring of Honor to take a job with uh, Total Nonstop Action at the time. Like Dave was, you know, because TNA was national television at the time, and Ring of Honor was just hadn't even started their television yet. And Dave got a better deal and, and left. Right. So when I saw that, I reached out to Dan and said, Hey, let me get Jim Cornette's number because I had known Jim through the years, met him on the Indies, always had a good relationship with him. And Dan goes, I'll do you one better. I'll give you Gary Juster's phone number, who is, you know, and he's one of the higher ups in ring of honor. And I'll also reach out to Joe Coff from ring of honor because we've had a couple discussions about how we can help out with them doing their TVs in Baltimore and getting some local support, you know, like leg work, like ring crew and, right. and whatnot. So Dan, Dan reached out to, to them, uh, got me an interview. And what was funny is Cornette hadn't responded yet. And, uh, I walked out of my interview that I felt went good. I felt like I sold myself pretty good. And there was an email from Cornette. Hey, sorry, I'm late to reply. However, I co-sign everything Dan said. This is the guy we need to hire. Um, I endorse him or whatever. So again, like a lot of people don't like Jim Cornette. I don't dislike. Yeah, no, like I like he, Jim too. I've always gotten along with him. So. Jim, Jim could have said, Jim could have said, "Fuck this guy." <laughs> that would have been it, you know. But instead, he he put you know he put the cosign on me and and got me my job. Mm-mm-mm. So now your title, your job, explain to people what you did. I mean, because a lot of people don't realize this. So, you know, talk about that, what your, on, your daily ongoings were, for, or and even at shows. So, so initially when I got hired, it was literally to run their Twitter, which was just starting to, like Twitter had been around for a few years, but it was starting to become a thing. 
uh, run their Facebook and post YouTube videos and update their website. Then that turned into, okay, well, we need you to run these autograph signings at the live events. So then it turned into, I have to pick the people that are on the autograph signing. Then we were paying the people that were on the autograph signing. Uh, then that turned into, Hey, we're going to do travel differently. Now, now you need to book everyone's flights and hotels and rental cars. Then, uh, one day I'm sitting there and I get a phone call from new Japan because I answered my phone (laughs) and that turned into now I was talking to our new Japan representatives you know, every couple days. And then I became the default go-to. So if we wanted a specific piece of talent for an event or a tour, I would reach out. If we wanted to do something creatively where, you know, we had to run finishes by New Japan. So if we wanted to bring someone in and have them lose to an ROH guy, we had to give them the full story as, as to why it was important. I, you know what we would do to pay it off later on down the road. Whether if it were, if we were sending yeah, the guy, on, we, let, just um, we had. A, I don't know what happened. I, I I don't know if it recorded. Not lost a little bit of your audio. This never happened before. Just go back. You said that if they needed a piece of talent, you, New Japan, and just just re, re say what you just said. And then it became. Uh, then I became the guy who would be in charge of uh, of the communications with New Japan. I picked up the phone one day. Right answered the call, answered their questions. And then I started getting the call every couple days. And it was about different things. It was about guys that they wanted to bring over from ring of honor to, to new Japan, which was always a cool phone call to call and tell the talent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like when, when, when I got to call red dragon and tell them or Bobby fish and Kyle O'Reilly to tell them they were going or Mike Bennett and Adam Cole, or when Adam Cole couldn't make a tour and I suggested that Matt Taven go over mm. instead and then got to get to tell Matt Taven or getting, you know, uh, fighting, not fighting, but pushing with within the ROH side to get War Machine over to New Japan because they had already done one tour with Noah. I love those but guys. I knew they're great. With the yeah, they're, right now. they're awesome, hardworking dudes. And I knew that if they went over for that year's Tag League tournament, because we couldn't send the Briscoes because we had a big pay-per-view and the Briscoes are always figured into everything because they've been with Ring of Honor the longest. Um, you know, so I pushed pushed to get guys like War Machine to go over there. Or when I got to call, you know, when Hattori called me and asked me what I thought of Hangman Page. Mm. Well, he was Adam Page at the time. He goes, he goes, hey, man, that Page, he good boy? And I was like, yeah. I go, he's awesome. I go, are you thinking about booking him? He's like, ah, maybe. Uh, and then like. That, that for those that don't know, when uh, you hear maybe and uh, with Japanese pro wrestling chatter, that means yes. <laughs> yeah. So then like two days later, yeah. uh, Hattori called me and, and, and I already like I had automated the process because I knew what visa paperwork they needed, what, uh, you know, uh, pictures they needed for the visa paperwork, what forms of identification. So I would collect all that stuff and send it over as one file. Uh, so when Hattori asked me, um, you know, to tell to, that we were, that they were definitely going to book Page, I called Page up right away, told him, gave him the good news, said, "Hey, you're getting an email. I need you to digitally sign these documents, send them back to me ASAP, so we can get them sent over and get your work visa." Going. And for those that don't realize, so Hatori, that's Taiga Hatori, a legendary referee in New Japan who does so much of the booking behind the scenes with American gaijin talent. He actually lives in New York, so it was easier for you, Jeff. I'm sure to deal with him because he wasn't in Japan, so you guys could do business while you're in Baltimore. He's in Japan, in uh, New York. 
Yeah, or he, you know, he would call from when he was in Japan on tour. The call would usually come in around midnight. Oh, well, he would. Oh, usually he used to be back in the day when I worked there many years ago. He would do most of his business with the American dudes while he was in America. Why was because he lives in New York, as you know. Uh, I didn't know. Well, he now, was, yeah. now with, with text messaging and iPhones and FaceTime and yeah. nothing weirder than getting a midnight FaceTime from Tiger Atori. Yeah. Hey, George. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, man. He, he, he'd always, whenever he called late, he'd be like, hey, man, you sleeping? And I'd be like, I go, no, I was up. He goes, bullshit. bullshit. I woke you up. He's a good you know? guy, bro. I love that guy. I haven't talked to him in a long time. He's a good guy. He, I, He's he, the best. He, I, my, yeah, because him and Brad Rangus, that's how I got booked for New Japan back in the day. That's how it was back then, you know. Um, those are the guys that got me there, Brad and, and, and Tiger Tori. So then, okay, so you always had that close, while you're working for Ring of Honor, doing that, doing business also for Ring of Honor with New Japan. So obviously that relationship built bigger and bigger. Yes. And I mean, and not, and not like I can't take full credit for it, but I mean, it was, you know, I was communicative to them. And anytime they had a question, I would get them an answer right away or like when we would bring their talent over. Um, I, like I'd like to, like, I like to refer to it as I would give them the white glove treatment. Because, like, New Japan brought me over for the Tokyo Dome in 2016. And, and again, in typical Hattori fashion, he calls me, like, two days before and is like, hey, man, wouldn't you get in for the Tokyo Dome? And I was like, ah, oh, I didn't get a flight because they were too expensive. He goes, he goes ah, book the flight, office will pay for it. So literally, you know, 36 hours before this flight happens, I'm buying the flight. You know, sent it to them. They wired the money right over for it to pay for it. Yeah. But when I got there, like everything, like what super impressed me was the 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 professionalness of everything and the and the white glove first class treatment. When you get there, there's a you know, whether it's one of the the underneath young lion guys, one of their I don't I don't I don't guess they're students because they're in the they're in dojo. the dojo, the dojo. Yeah, yeah. But they already. They already know something about it. Like some of them are already on shows and, yeah. and whatnot, but they're there. They grab your bags. They load you into the bus. Yeah, once everyone else arrives, you get on the bus. They take you to the Tokyo Dome Hotel. While you're on the bus, you get an envelope where if you're a wrestler, your envelope has in there what you're getting paid, what the breakdown is, and then an itinerary. And then like I would get an itinerary that said, these are the events we would like you to attend. These are the times you need to be down in the lobby for the bus. Um, if there's any questions, you know, these are the people who, these are who you should email or text. Gotcha. You know, yeah. so. It was always so, professional. Like, Even back in that, when I was there in 92, 91, bro, it was always very ultra professional. So I know what you're saying. Yeah, so I mean it was it was awesome. Then when you get to the Tokyo Dome, you, Tokyo Dome Hotel, you show your passport, they give you your room keys that are already made, and they give you like New Japan uh would also give you meal vouchers too. So you would get your meal taken care of in the morning, your breakfast, and it was pretty nice breakfast at Tokyo Dome Hotel. Um and then at nighttime, you really didn't have to worry about meals because depending upon who you're hanging out with, so like if I was hanging out with like Chaos, like uh, Rocky Romero and, and his crew, they had one particular sponsor that would take care of the meals. Right, right. But if I was going out with the Bullet Club guys, they had another particular right, sponsor. Right, that, right, right. That's that how it was years ago, with. too. But by the way, I like I never stayed. I always used to stay. They always put us up uh, at the Kiyo Plaza. I don't know if you ever stayed there in Tokyo. 
No, yeah. no. The only Kiel Plaza. I only I've only ever stayed at the at the Tokyo Dome Hotel, so yeah. I guess I'm spoiled in that sense. No, well, the Kiel Plaza was fucking unbelievable, bro. I mean, it was legit. Was that the place that was right across the street? Yeah, yeah. Uh not across the street. No, but you could still see the you, Tokyo. You Dome could from, see the dome, right? right correct. But yeah. we were doing well. We were doing a lot of stuff at Cork and Hall, and you know, like we, it was uh, the Tokyo. We didn't the big show at the end. Like we were on a two week loop for the. A couple of times it was um it was Sumo Palace. It wasn't Tokyo Dome. Yeah, Sumo Hall. Sumo Hall. Sumo yeah, Hall. Ryugoku. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ryugoku Sumo yeah. Hall, which is that was that was awesome to go to. Oh, like, cool building, uh, man. Real cool. I've only been to Ryugoku, the Dome, Corkin a couple times, yeah. and uh and uh, a small town called not Nagata like Yuji Nagata, but Niigata, Niigata. like N I I G A T A or whatever. Yeah. But but just the way that they did everything, like when you got to the building, um, you know, I mean, it just yeah. like I tried I tried to give them that same level of respect and service that they gave all of our guys when they went over there. Yeah, yeah. No, they they, they did things the right way. I mean, for real. So now, uh, you know, with, with Ring of Honor, um, man, I mean, all of guys that are major guys and girls that are major stars today, maybe in WWE. You've seen all these guys come through the door, and you've seen like uh, you've had always a great relationship or friendship with them. Definitely, I could see on your social media over the years. Um, I mean, you have explained to people. I know you're a humble guy; you're not going to brag, but some of the friendships you still have with a lot of guys. Just name some of the WWE guys. Just drop some names for those that don't realize you. Uh, drop, drop some names. Yeah. Well, I mean, number one and number two are the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and, and Luke Gallows. They're two of the two of the best dudes I've ever met in the industry. Right. Uh, you know, they, uh, they have a love for Jimmy's famous seafood in Baltimore. It's funny. They were just here last week. I wonder and, um, when and how there'd be a plug for Jimmy's. For Jimmy's I wondered for when and Jimmy's. how that would happen. <laughs> and there it is. So. But no, like, uh, I mean, I became friends with them while they were working for new Japan and doing stuff for WWE. I mean, uh, and stuff for ring of honor before WWE. And, uh, you know, it's not, that i treat like i just treated them like like you should treat talent like that was one one of the complaints is jeff's too close to the boys oh, well guess what without the boys we got no talent yeah you know what i mean without the, without the talent we have no you have we no, have show, no, show. no money you know yeah <laughs> it's no money right. yeah. so, so you have to you you have to have a you have to have a friendship and and unfortunately yes there are some people who get a more preferential treatment than other people, but that's because they're the ones who are making the money. It's like, you know, if, if I have a choice to, to baby face a student and put him on the autograph signing to make him feel good, but give up a spot for Adam Cole, then I know he's going to sell a hundred or 150 autographs. I mean, it boils down to dollars and cents. Sometimes it's like Shawn Michaels had a great line that I love. He took his ball. You can do two things in this. No, not you, what's that? The ball went home. No, it's not that. Oh, okay. not, not when he lost his smile. Oh, Shawn Michaels. I thought, had, I thought he said I took line. my ball and lost my smile on the way home. I thought it was that line. No, that wasn't it. I think I fucked. Right. Up. Well, he played t-ball or basketball. Was that what he was talking about? He I don't know. Volleyball. But, when he cried and went for, to a wrestling show. That's something like that. But we're both digressing. <laughs> but, yeah. But 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 Shawn Michaels had had a line that I actually like to live by, and 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 I've applied this to different things, not just wrestling. You can do two things in life. You can make friends or make money. You can't pay. You can't pay your rent with friends. 
you know, so yeah, did I babyface some of the guys, some of the, the upper echelon talent more than more than some of the lower card guys? Absolutely. But that's that's business. That that happens anywhere, whether it's the wrestling business, a baseball team, or Wall Street, the office. Yeah, Wall Street. You know, what I mean, if 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 I if I'm running a brokerage and I got somebody who's killing it, mm. you know, moving stocks and yeah. high power clients, kiss ass Jones, I got some hedge fund city. Yeah. yeah, I got you. Hedge, yeah, hedge fund Jones. It, you know? it Maybe it's a new gimmick. <laughs> that's it, bro. But uh, but like Anderson and Anderson and Gallows, two great friends. Uh, Adam Cole is another is another great friend who I think you're going to see Adam Cole headlining a WrestleMania one day. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Roderick Strong, who I know you're a huge big fan, fan of. Yeah, big fan. Of. Uh, you know, he's like he got to NXT and 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 it took for the unfortunate injury to Bobby Fish for them to finally put Roddy in the right spot. Yeah. And he's done nothing but excel. I mean, he physically looks ridiculous, the best shape he's ever been in. And he's really like he's good. Like there there's no you know, Roddy is a guy that you can you can say, hey, I need you to work in the opener and get this baby face over. or I need you to work. I need you to work and go over in the main event. You yeah. know, he's. He's uh, he's awesome, you know. He is. Like, he's uh, a tremendous talent. Um, he really is. It's good to see that he's at a spot where he can really apply his craft and shit. You know, um, exactly. Then you got Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Bobby unfortunately had an injury, but I mean, again, his injury made the opportunity for Roddy, and Bobby didn't lose his spot. Right. They just made the undisputed era four man group instead of a instead of a three man group. Um, so I mean, there's a there's a lot of those there's a lot of those guys. There's a new signee uh, who just reported to NXT named Punishment Martinez and yeah, yeah, R. Yeah, from Raw Rich, yeah, yeah. Uh, tremendous. He's, I mean, he's got tremendous upside. He's got the one thing that you can't teach and you can't buy. He's got size on him. He's also athletically gifted. So I mean, there you know there are a lot of guys that uh, I know in WWE, and he comes in handy when I need comps. So, when, <laughs> you, bro, you also be- have a real good friendship with the Superkick Jones with the Jacksons, right? Oh yeah, I, 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 uh, the the Bucks are some of the guys that I was always accused of playing favorites really? to. But I'm sorry, <laughs> funny shit. but I'm sorry when when the Bucks are moving a hundred plus photos a night and eight by tens, and you can't keep their T-shirts in stock. You know they they are going to get more attention than the guy who sells you know five t-shirts a year. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know the the Bucks, Bullet Club as a whole. Um, you know there those guys are, you know you print money if you put them on an event. You're printing yeah, money. No, I know they're over like fucking no, Rover. Right. They really are. Um, you know what what them and Co- what them like I. I I don't. I know Cody enough that I can have a conversation with him. Uh, like I mean, his father was my hero of course, growing yeah, up. Like yeah. I grew up, I grew up wanting to be Dusty Rhodes, and instead I just became a manager and a referee. But like, uh, so it's weird, like talking to Cody, who's super cool, because I'm just sitting there like, I just want to ask you stories about your father. <laughs> That's funny. You know, like when Dusty was in, after you left, Dusty came through ECW. I know. I didn't, wasn't there for that. I know. I know. And he was, he was friggin' fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Like fantastic. there'd be a handful of us that would, that would sit around and bill it. We'd ask Fonzie to get him started. You know, like Fonzie would prod him for a story and then literally <laughs> sit under the learning tree of Dusty Rhodes until it was time to go start TV or yeah. whatever it is that we had. During my time in WWE, at one, when Dusty came over, uh, he was working as an agent and shit backstage and writing and doing all sorts of 
stuff. I got to know Dusty, and uh, well, I was a commentator on SmackDown for a couple of years, and I loved him. I thought he was the greatest man. And uh, we, you know, Dusty Rhodes, the late great man, but you know, he, he talked to you for three minutes, and he, he made you feel like he knew you, you know, thirty years. He did exactly, was, exactly. You know. you know what I mean? Like he just had that comforting. Yep. That he yep. he was real. Yeah. You know, was. at least he made at least at that point in time when he was talking, whoever he was speaking to, he was the most important person in the world. That, yeah. Right. You know, so I mean, uh, but so I mean, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys uh, in ROH. The Briscoe brothers are uh, I've known those two kids since they were 15 and 16 illegally working on shows in Maryland Uh, and Pennsylvania because they were underage. Those guys. And I've said it forever. They're two of the realest looking motherfuckers that are working and been working the past 10 something years in the business. Those guys look real when they they are not fucking cosmetic and playing games. Um, no. I love, love it. I love it. They are raw bone and work their asses off. Mad respect for those two guys. Yeah. I mean, they, those, those guys, uh, those guys have killed it for ring of honor has been around since what, 2002 and Jay Briscoe was in the very first match on the very first show against amazing red. So, I mean, and they had a couple years under their belts before then. So, I mean, they've literally, you know, when they say we've been here since day one, they've been they've there, been there since, since day one. So, bro, are you like, so, so I'm just like, what's your goals? Or what, or you think people end up hearing or seeing you uh, working again for another wrestling company or behind the scenes or you got your focus on other things? Like just, just trying to get an idea, like what you got well, going on. Well, I'm kind of working on some other stuff at the moment because, you know, like as great as wrestling is, there's only so many, sp- you know, it's not, you know, it's not 1999 anymore where you had ECW, USWA, you had a territory out in Portland, you had stuff going on in Florida, you had WCW, Savoldi. you had WWF, Savoldi's still running, still, you know, uh, still running that tape of you putting over, what was it, Joe Savoldi for the IWCC, WWF, AWA, Light Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> they still got me putting them over. Oh my God. Jeez. You know, he's still he's still running that he's still running that same tape oh, somewhere, some form of public access or internet website. You know, that time I beat Taz. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, so I mean, oh, so but now today, those spots are really limited, and you, you know, like there are there's you know three comp two and a half companies. There's WWE, right, there's Ring of Honor, yeah. and there's yeah, yeah. and kind of sort of Impact. Yeah, kind of, sort of impact. Well, look, I, I, I know this much. I got to have you. You got to come back on here again, bro. It's been just way too long that, uh, you know. And you and I were supposed to, and, and it was on my air, you were supposed to come on my shit here, what, about two months ago? And, uh, yeah, something yeah, happened. And then I was something having a tech happen. issue and having mental issues, all sorts of issues. But, um, yeah, you know, I get crazy. But, but no, no, so that's why. But, you, you know, we're friends and, you know, I, um, uh, but bro, I, I think people are going to dig this. I mean, cause you're, um, your reels, real comes and you've, you've seen them all, they've done it all. Uh, you've worked for everywhere and, and, well, just about everywhere, right? I mean, all the spots that matter. You still, uh, by the way, before we wrap, you still, are you, Working with MCW at all behind the scenes, helping. I mean, you and Dan the boys. But I mean, what's going on with that? Well, here's what's funny. Dan and I came to the realization a long time ago. We actually got into a fist fight once on an ECW loop and nice. a laundromat in Revere. Yeah. Um, because like we've decided that we can't work together on wrestling because I'm very like uh, we have two different schools of thought. I'm very like if someone sucks, tell them they suck get them the fuck out and get someone in there that can do it right. Whereas Dan's like, 
I can't get rid of all my students because you don't like, them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, like, uh, you know, for 42 year old Jeff is willing to admit that, uh, I'm not always right. And my way is not always the right way. However, I do work with Dan. Uh, Dan is pretty successful in real estate. So now I'm doing some stuff with him and, uh, you know, shooting, like putting a wrestling touch on, uh, videos of people's houses when they're for sale. So he's doing you know? residential, not commercial real estate, right? He does residential. I think he, you know, I think if he, he could do commercial right. if need be, but his, uh, his strong suit is he's got a couple investors that he works with as well as just regular Like uh, the other day I went to go shoot somebody's house. Well, you don't mean, shoot, owner, you mean tape it with a camera. So people understand you're not yeah, running shoot, around yeah, with a car being gun. You know what I mean? Like shoot people's homes. Baltimore. Yeah. You know, um, so, uh, so, uh, uh, you, so I went to go shoot the house and I asked them, I, was, I said, Hey, I was like, uh, we just started talking and they're like, well, look, Dan didn't help me buy this house, but he answered so many questions for me when I was trying to buy it because he was a friend of my fiance at the time or a friend of a friend, whatever. And uh, she was like, so when I decide to sell this house, he was the first person I've called, but he's got a lot of people like that. He's got a lot of people that he may have sold them their first house and he's helping them buy their third right, right. or, you know, like, uh, like, uh, you know, real estate investors that'll buy houses to quick, you know, do a quick fix and then flip them on the market. So he came up with the idea of putting, you know, taking wrestling promos and making house promos out That's of them. Smart. So I go out and film, yeah, yeah, you're a film the house. background, obviously. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, taking advantage of that. So I go out and I'll film these houses. I film them with a drone. I got a Vanguard one that I just Vanguard fly around Vanguard one, nice. Well, no, uh, the know? bottom line for me, anything with houses, the bottom line is you got to basically get uh, Rocket Mortgage by Quicker Loans and their all new rate shield approval uh, at rocketmortgage.com slash TAS. Yes. So, yeah. That's and, you know, and, and you get, you, the only thing you don't have is the like the blue, 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 blue rates and whatever apply. You know, like no, I have. But yeah, so I mean, so yeah, if you want to buy a house, you reach out to Dan McDevitt and then you go to Taz's Rocket Mortgage right. so you can afford That's how house. we do it. See, look at that. Good job right there, the Jeff Jones, the judge, as many people call him. Uh, bro, listen, plug your social media. Give me both. It's, uh, it's, uh, JB, it's uh, Jeffrey B. Jones at Twitter. It's Jeffrey B. Jones and Instagram. Hold on, am I am I is is us playing music confusing? You? By the way, real quick, because we had, we never do that. Never, well, we used to do it back in the day where the music would start and then it would end, then it would start, then it would end. That's like the gimmick. So you brought the gimmick back. Your Instagram is very good, by the way. So let people hear the plug on the Instagram. It's a uh, Instagram backslash Jeffrey B. Jones. Hey bro, you could just and give the fucking Twitter. address to the Instagram. You don't have to give the fucking hashtag HTTP semicolon gimmick. Give the fucking Instagram. <laughs> Ah. And then Twitter is uh, at Jeffrey B. Jones. It's the verified one with the blue check wow, mark. We're over. So, I mean, you know, check it out. I post some cool pictures. I met Ed Reed over the oh, weekend. Oh, yeah, I saw that. So, you and Ed Reed, the Ed great Omar. D-back from back in the day from uh, the Ravens, man. Killer for the Ravens. Oh, dude, he was, aw- he was awesome. He ra- raised 50 grand for the Ed Reed Foundation this past weekend at a, at a tailgating event, and Omar just showed up. Uh, you know, yeah. he didn't have his trench coat or sawed-off shotgun. Uh. So, <laughs> But that was good. But yeah, that, that's my social media. And, uh, you know, other than that, it was, it was great. Wow, we're counting you out. All right. So, uh, so <laughs> brother, listen, you got to have you back on again. Seriously, do this. 
Anytime. Uh, Jeff, I appreciate you. That's the judge, Jeff Jones. Make sure you jump on his social media. And uh, I appreciate you guys downloading this episode of the Taz Show. We'll have the judge back on again real soon. He's the fucking man. Don't forget it. All right, guys. Uh, I'm Taz. You're not. Thank you. Said I was raised in the days of my space and screen names back then when I was only worried about my top friends. A road is just a road, but a Jeep SUV isn't just an SUV. Come see for yourself at the Jeep Start Something New sales event. During Owner Appreciation Month, finance get $3,750 total cash allowance on the purchase of select 2020 Jeep Compass Latitude 4x4 models in dealer stock the longest. On oldest 20% inventory of 2020 Jeep Compass Latitude models as of 1-3-2020 in dealer stock. Financing for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 2-3-2020. Jeep is a registered trademark.